Welcome to our worship from Seal Church, led by me, Canon Anne Labar. The hymn which ends the service is sung by the choristers of St Martin in the Fields. During the season of Christmas and Epiphany, we remember that Jesus is called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. His name reminds us that even though we may be separated from one another, we are united in God, who holds us all in his hands. And so we pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty and ever-living God, clothed in majesty, whose beloved Son was this day presented in the temple in substance of our flesh, grant that we may be presented to you with pure and clean hearts by your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The first reading is from the book of the prophet Malachi, chapter 3, beginning at the first verse. Thus says the Lord God, See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, indeed he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like gold and silver until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be swift to bear witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired workers in their wages, the widow and the orphan, against those who thrust aside the alien, and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. The Gospel reading is taken from Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 22. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms 
and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of eighty-four. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favour of God was upon him. In the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. He was just one small child. How many other babies might there have been in the temple on the day that Mary and Joseph arrived with Jesus just six weeks after his birth? Probably many. My experience of the old city of Jerusalem was of a bustling, crowded place with narrow streets packed with traders and travellers and pilgrims, and I'm sure that's how it was in the time of Jesus too, a place where people were coming and going constantly and mostly anonymously, with families of all shapes and sizes in tow. There were no angels singing, no fanfare playing for this particular child, no unearthly glow that would have signalled that he was anything out of the ordinary. His parents weren't wealthy. We know that because the sacrifice they brought, of two pigeons, was the budget version, a concession in the law for those who couldn't afford the standard offering of a lamb. And the only two people there who acclaimed him, who recognised him as the light of the world, were probably equally insignificant in the eyes of the temple authorities. Simeon and Anna seemed to have been regulars in the temple, but they didn't have a particular role. They were just two elderly people who hung about and prayed and talked. Anna had lived as a widow for many years, and according to the Gospel, she never left the temple. I wonder if she had anywhere else to go, any family to support her. Simeon is described as righteous and devout, but he wasn't a priest or a Levite, a scribe or a Pharisee. If he had been, Luke would have told us. Whatever he'd done with his life, it seemed now to be drawing to a close. Simeon and Anna weren't among the movers and shakers in the world that they were in, if they ever had been. And I'm sure that there were those who thought they were well past their sell-by date, maybe even a bit eccentric, religious obsessives, easy to write off. Being written off and ignored 
is something that many people encounter at some point in their lives. It's easy for those with power to assume that some people are just too young, too old, too poor, too disabled, from the wrong background, of the wrong nationality or the wrong gender, to have anything to say that's worth hearing, to have lives that are worth noticing. And the people we meet in this story are among that number. A poor, ordinary couple. A baby that hasn't even learned to talk yet. Why should they matter? And Simeon and Anna, whose lives are nearly over, well, they're part of the past, not the future. Why should their opinions count for anything? This may be a story that's 2,000 years old, but it could have happened yesterday. This week there have been two rather shocking news stories to me, which feel like they ought to have been huge, but which after a brief moment in the headlines seem to have sunk without trace. It was announced earlier this week that nearly 200 young people had gone missing from places where they ought to have been safe over the last 18 months or so. Usually when one child goes missing, there are tearful press conferences with their anxious parents and whole neighbourhoods offering to help with the search. There are t-shirts printed and flyers plastered on lampposts. Why the lack of interest in this case? It's because they were unaccompanied refugees. Asylum seekers under the age of 18 who'd arrived in this country without their parents. They'd been housed in hotels, often with no real regard for the normal safeguarding practices, but many had subsequently vanished. In some cases apparently just picked up by tra traffickers right outside the places they were staying. Around half have since been traced, but many haven't and have almost certainly disappeared into the shadowy world of modern slavery. Cannabis farms, car washes, sex work. So what, say some commentators? Most of them were 16 and 17-year-olds. Some were probably over 18 but had lied about their age to avoid being deported. But does that make it any better? How would we feel if th these were our children, or children we knew, or even ourselves at that age. Many were apparently Albanians, smuggled in by people traffickers, lured by the promise of easy money and a comfortable life, but finding that the reality was very different. But all teenagers do things that are naive. They trust people they shouldn't. They make decisions they regret. And slavery is a very heavy price to pay for that. It's not something we'd countenance for any child we knew and loved. The traffickers targeted these young people, vulnerable because they were poor and far from home, because they, they thought that no one would notice or miss them. And it seems that they were right. Their story was told, but then the news cycle just rolled on. People seemed to shrug their shoulders and turn away. One MP even said dismissively, well, they shouldn't have come here illegally then. The other story, which I think should have made a much bigger impact than it has done, was the report on the abuse of children in care homes in South Yorkshire. For years, whistleblowers had reported that vulnerable children were being beaten and punished harshly, ridiculed, taken advantage of, 
but no one had taken it seriously. Some of the children were disabled and couldn't speak for themselves to say what was happening. Others were simply not listened to and they knew they wouldn't be. So often they didn't even try to speak up. How terrifyingly sad is that? Like the abduction of those missing refugee children, it all happened in plain sight. People knew about it, but no one seemed to care enough to act. Yet again, the voices of the vulnerable didn't count. Their stories vanished from the news as quickly as they'd arrived, just as many other stories of abuse and neglect do. Of vulnerable elderly people, those with mental health issues, or those who are homeless. If that doesn't make us angry, I think it should. And that's why I think this gospel story we've heard today matters so much. Because in it, Luke shines a spotlight on people like these. People who seem not to matter to the world around them. He says, here, in these people, the ones the world so often discounts and ignores, is where God is at work. It's a bit like going to the theatre, looking hopefully at the stage, waiting for the play to begin, only to find that the real story is happening in the darkness at the back of the stalls, or in a tatty dressing room backstage, or even outside in the street. The gospel stories of Jesus' birth and childhood are meant to foreshadow his adult life and ministry, giving us clues about what to expect, and this is a perfect example. Jesus will grow up to bring to centre stage those whom the world has sidelined. The old and the young, the disabled and poor, women and slaves, and those whose lives have gone off the rails. He'll point to them and say, You want to see the kingdom of God, God at work in the world? Here it is. Ignore these people and you'll miss it. Fail to listen to them and you won't hear what God is saying either. So this week, as the news unfolds, perhaps this gospel might encourage us to see the stories that the news presents with fresh eyes, enlightened by Jesus. Whose stories are being told and whose aren't? What gets the column inches, the airtime and what's brushed aside? What catches our attention and what do we click away from in boredom or in discomfort? Who do we think matters and who doesn't? Not really. Not enough to see them as our siblings. People we care about as much as we do our families and friends. The Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, says the prophet Malachi. But the gospel tells us that if we want to recognise him when he comes, we'll need to have our eyes open to his presence in what's small and weak and vulnerable and despised in the world, and in ourselves too. Otherwise he may come and go, and we'll have missed him and the blessing he brings us. Amen. And so we bring our prayers to God, and we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Christ, who by his incarnation gathered into one things earthly and heavenly, fill you with peace and goodwill, and make you partakers of the divine nature, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Thank you.